Hello, everybody. This is Jennifer Fry, the Vision Council member for the Organization of Nature Evolutionaries, or ONE. I want to thank you for joining us today for our teleseminar, Sanctuary in Our Gardens, Co-Creative Partnership with Pollinators, with our speaker, Jennifer Radke. This teleseminar is being recorded, and the recording will be available on our website. This is part of our Becoming a Nature Evolutionary series, and it is through this series that we delve deeply into what it means to be a nature evolutionary with dynamic explorations into consciousness raising that is at the core of one's vision. Each month we host leading nature evolutionaries who share their experiences and wisdom in holding profound relationship with nature. Today's teleseminar is our first in our new series on Sanctuary Gardens. In this seminar today, Jennifer is going to be talking a little bit in the beginning, explaining about bees and pollinators and having sanctuary gardens for them. And then she will lead us on a healing visualization with the bees. And we'll end this call with a question and answer period. So during that time, if you would like to ask something or say something, you can press star five, which will raise your hand and we'll call on you. And we can remind you of that later too. So I am really glad and grateful to begin this series with my dear friend and colleague, Jennifer Radke. Jennifer is based in Oakland, California, and she has four hives, as well as grandmother's many other hives all around California. Jennifer is the former vice president of the Alameda Beekeeping Association and is co-founder of Biofuel Oasis in Berkeley, where she has a beekeeping education program and she also sells bees and beekeeping supplies. Her focus is on urban beekeeping. Jennifer has a profound relationship with bees, which I personally find quite inspiring and infectious. She believes in putting bees and their health first and listening to them rather than a top-down management approach. And mostly she enjoys sitting with the hives in her garden and simply being with them. Jennifer's hives are dedicated to teaching people about beekeeping, partnering with bees, and connecting with nature. And I should also mention that Jennifer is one of our founding Vision Council members of ONE. And while she's no longer on our Vision Council, she continues to be a huge support. So I'm truly grateful for the work that Jennifer has done to bring ONE into, into fruition, as well as grateful that she can join us today and share her passion and love of bees with us. So thank you so much, Jennifer, for being here. Thank you, Jen, so much. Um, Thank you to One um, for asking me to do this talk. I'm really grateful. And um, the bees are certainly very grateful, too, to have this chance to um, express themselves through me and with me. So I'm going to start talking about um, my connection to bees and then pollinators in general a little, and then um, about honeybees, which is my um, specialty. And then I'm going to also lead you on, lead everyone on a visualization or meditation with the bees and it's 
going to be a healing from the bees. Um, and I'm hoping to walk up to my hives if it's not raining at that point, um, too, as well. So you may hear some buzzing. Um, I wanted to start out. But the first question that came to me was, you know, why, why is the bee my spirit animal? And, um, and then I remembered, I, I answered that question, and I'm going to talk about it a little, and um, because I always like hearing about people's personal relationships and how they came to something. Um, but I don't have, I was like, yeah, I don't really have, I didn't connect to bees as a kid or anything like that or have some magical experience then. Um, but then I remembered that um, kind of a circular story, which is, which is really nice, that how I, how I got to beekeeping was that I was teaching classes on making biodiesel, which is a fuel made from vegetable oil. And I um, was actually teaching a class on making the processors for making biodiesel in your backyard. And a woman making one of the processors had bees. And, you know, we were like doing plumbing and electrical work and stuff in the class. And so she started talking about her bees. And I was really interested. And so that's how I got into bees was helping her for a while. And then she ended up giving me one of her hives. Um, and then it all kind of circled round because a year or two ago, I was reading an article about bees, and I saw that uh, bee uh, pheromone, brood pheromone, which is what the little larva, uh, the baby bees, these little larvae in the larval stage, they're little white worms, they need to be fed by the nurse bees. And they give off a pheromone to tell the bees to feed them. And that pheromone is actually biodiesel. And it's the same chemical compound. It's a methyl ester. And there's different kinds of methyl esters. And the brood pheromone is made up of multiple ones. Um, but basically, bees make biodiesel. And anyway, so I thought that was really amazing and cool and kind of brought together different parts of my life. Um, and that no one would even know that that was biodiesel except that I know the whole chemical uh, part of it. So, and, and the other thing to know is that esters, if you know, uh, like uh, essential oils and things like that, lavender, for instance, is very high in esters. It's a very balancing compound to when humans smell it. So biodiesel is very balancing and also because it's an ester and also when you go into the hive and smell the brood, it's also very balancing. Um, so um, anyway, so one of the things I want to talk about, um, which is going to actually highlight some parts about bees, is why the bee is my spirit animal. And one of the things that my first question was, are they even? Because I have so many spirit animals, it feels like even right now there's a hawk nesting in this redwood a couple doors down that I see every day. There's a skunk visiting my yard at night. There's hummingbirds that live in my yard, all these kind of things. Um, and 
But the thing about bees is that um, they only live for five weeks and they don't just do one job for that time. In fact, they do everything but only for a few days. So just like me, who has done a million different things in my life, from wanting to be a rock violinist to wanting um, to being like a librarian to be to studying Russian in college to all these different things, being a union organizer to starting my own business to being a beekeeping teacher. Bees also go through a whole bunch of different jobs and they only live for five weeks. So they start out in the brood nest being um, feeding the baby bees. They take care of the queen. They uh, Then they end up making wax for a while. They make honey for a while. They become guard bees. And then the end of their life for the last week or so, they're foragers. So they also do a million different things um, uh, subsequently in their life. Um, one of the things I really love about bees is that they really keep me in the present. So when you go into a hive and there's 50,000 insects that can sting you, you have to really pay attention. And so what it does is your whole mind stops. And it's like being forced into a meditation um, and you just have to pay attention to the bees. And that is a really amazing um, thing, an amazing gift that happens when you inspect beehives. Um, one of the things, the another reason why I think bees are my spirit animal, the last reason is that for me, one of the most important things is for humans to learn right now and is getting along, getting along with other people in the small world and in the, in the greater world, obviously. Um, and I think it's really amazing that we are uh, taking this jump finally to kind of see beyond ourselves and these movements like the reaction to the Muslim ban went beyond. It's not just Muslims protesting the ban. It's like a lot of different people that have been marginalized are protesting on their side. And I think that is really amazing to say that that's not going to happen anymore and that we're not going to be divided and conquered and we're going to all get together. And so a lot in my life has been about that and about working with people. So I've always, until recently, I've lived community, lived communally. I've been involved with a union earlier in my life. I started a worker-owned cooperative. That's my business. So it's a cooperative business. And one of the things that I still haven't done, that I still want to do is um, starting an intentional community. And one of these things is that bees are living in this very communal environment and they are a great um, example of actually all getting along 
and communicating, communicating without meetings, and um, communicating and making decisions with consensus. Um, and you can read, there's a whole book called Honeybee Democracy on how bees decide where to move when they swarm. Um, so they hang out somewhere and the scout bees go out and try to find a new home. And when all the scout bees agree on a same place, that's when they move and leave. So they have amazing communication and amazing um, way of all working together for the same common goal, which I think is such a, a key uh, and inspiration for, for humans because it's something that we are still figuring out. So now I'm going to talk about um, pollinators in general in your garden. And I think pollinators bring that like vibrancy spark to your garden. They're literally buzzing around um, in your garden um, from hummingbirds to bees um, to moths to flies do some pollination. Um, and also, of course, part of that vibrancy spark is that they're actually having sex with the flowers in your garden, and so that's always exciting. Um, and so just by planting forage or planting um, food for those pollinators, and there's lots of books and resources now about planting pollinator gardens and also native pollinators planting usually native plants that the native pollinators will come to. Um, so you don't actually have to have uh, like a beehive in your yard because if you plant the forage, the bees and the pollinators will come to it. And that's why I have uh, three hummingbirds that live in my yard around here because we have these plants here that the hummingbirds really like. So another thing to really look at with pollinators is if you Google a certain plant that you have in your yard and pollination and the word pollination, you can often find an amazing, the amazing relationships between pollinators and um, the plants in your garden. So for instance, one is a certain type of tobacco and uh, tobacco is usually pollinated at night, or this particular tobacco at least, is um, pollinated at night and it's because it's pollinated by moths. So the flowers open up at night and they also put out a lure to attract these moths, so the moths come. But at some point, the moths start laying caterpillars and the caterpillars will eat the tobacco leaves and so then when it gets too much the and and the plant is uh, getting eaten too much they'll actually start opening their flowers in the morning instead of at night so instead of 6 to 10 p.m. at night they'll open them 6 to 10 a.m. in the morning 
And then that, and they don't put out the lure for the moth. And then the hummingbirds will actually pollinate the tobacco plant. Um, and so it's amazing. I used to, I, I've had back and forth with science, but um, now I really find, because science used to kind of just devalue a lot of these sort of relationships. And um, now I feel like science actually explains a lot of this magic and makes you even more in wonderment of the plants in your garden, of the animals, of honeybees. It makes you admire them even more and think they're even more amazing um, because of all these things uh, as we study uh, plants. So that's something to look at for your garden or some of your favorite plants that you really love is how are they pollinated and what is their pollinator relationship. Um, so getting to honeybees, honeybees, um, one number you may have heard a lot is that uh, a third of our diet is insect pollinated. So food, um, food crops are insect pollinated. And honeybees do 80% of that pollinating. So some things that are pretty much 100% pollinated by honeybees are apple trees, almond trees. So things like apples and almonds are really completely dependent on uh, honeybees. And I think one of the most amazing things about um, as I work with honeybees, and I'm teaching a lot, so I'm working with humans and honeybees, is this strong, deep partnership that humans have developed with honeybees. And it's really amazing because it's different to have a relationship with a mammal that we can understand a lot more, you know, like a cat or a dog or something like that. But honeybees are an insect. And uh, not only are they an insect, but they're an insect that lives in this huge um, colony, 50,000 bees. Um, and for us to make that leap is really amazing. And um, certainly mead and honey sweeten that deal. And so mead has been around for they think like 20,000 plus years uh, that humans have been drinking mead, that it's the first alcoholic beverage. Um, so we have had a really, really long time to develop this close relationship with honeybees. And I really see it in uh, the people I teach uh, that people just really, really love their bee colony um, and one of the things with having a sanctuary garden and, and being in touch with your land and the plants and the animals that are there is having that deep appreciation because that gives you this really deep connection with whatever it is. And that's really the basis of everything. And so it's just always, uh, I really 
admire how people have this deep connection with honeybees. Um, and I've had people tell me that, you know, they sit down and have their morning coffee in the morning and watch their hive. It's part of their morning ritual. Um, they are really, really sad. It's almost like uh, when a cat or dog, uh, their best friend has died, uh, when their honeybee colony dies, and they just miss it so much. And people just love, um, people have told me how much they just love having a hive in their yard and the magic um, and everything of just having that and just that they just love it and that it feels like something's missing if they don't have that. Um, where when I, I first had bees in a place for eight years where I lived, uh, which was eventually became a family as they had kids, a couple that had a family. Um, and my one year my hive died and the mother of some of the kids she was pregnant at the time and she was uh told me she was really upset that the bees had died and um this day i went up to get more bees with my business we went we were selling bees for the first year and i went up there to get like 50 hives in a truck a, a few miles away and well, I came back with a hive for us late that night, and it turned out that the bees had moved into our old hive that day. So other bees had moved into our hive, and she was so happy about it. And, um, and then it ended up that the new baby came that same day. So I came home, and bees had moved into our hive, and then um, she had had the baby. It was a home birth. Um, at home as well so we had all this and then I brought these so it all happened all at once we had all this new uh, life in the house and the uh, baby was called thistle which is which had to do with other reasons but thistle is a great bee plant great bee honey plant so um, so just that deep connection that people have with bees and you can translate this to anything in that to in your garden or on your land that that tree that you really love you know um, another thing about bees and we're gonna hear more of this when I do the uh, meditation the healing meditation is that bees are herbalists and healers in their own right and every thing that comes from the hive is healing to humans they they're also incredibly creative so they are they make all this stuff themselves um, so they actually make beeswax they secrete it in these little scales they have six glands um, on their bodies and they secrete these little scales of beeswax from their bodies. Um, they, so one of the ways they're herbalists is that they're collecting all the healing from the flowers. So when they're foraging and making honey, they're collecting nectar from the flowers. And so particularly the um, compounds that are gonna be water soluble 
are going to go into the honey. Um, the honey is basically nectar that's been converted into uh, more simple sugars, the fructose and glucose. But then basically what the bees do is just concentrate it down. So nectar is 80% uh, water, 20% sugar, and honey is the opposite. So it's 80% sugar, 20% water. Um, so one of the things because of that is that um, So one of the things is, is that it, bacteria can't grow because it's so concentrated in sugar. But the other thing about honey and why these are herbalists is that they're bringing all these medicines from the flowers um, and from the plants that they collect from and putting it in that honey. So for instance, there's a honey that you may have heard of, Manuka honey, which comes from a tree uh, that's part of the tea tree family in New Zealand. And if you know tea tree oil, it's really antibacterial. So the honey is collected from the flowers of that plant. And this is the honey that they're using in hospitals all over the world to treat wounds uh, that have bacteria that are infected where the bacteria are resistant to the antibiotics because of our overuse of antibiotics. And so they're using honey to treat those wounds. Um, and there's many other things they make. Propolis is a big one, um, which they collect sap from plants. So that's going to be more like the resinous part of plants and mix it with beeswax. Um, and they make propolis. And they're now finding, you know, in the beginning, this is why I get upset with science. They were just like, oh, they just, the bees just always collected propolis to just seal up their hive. Um, but there's now been some studies done um, at the University of Minnesota um, about propolis and how the bees are actually using it for its antibacterial and anti, um, probably viral, qualities that it has. And so when the bees are sick, they'll actually bring in more into the hive and then it keeps their immune systems uh, healthier with propolis. Um, so one last thing about the bees that I'm going to mention is that the bees really force us to listen. And I think one of the things I really love about bees is that they still maintain or retain their wildness that a lot of things that uh, humans have coerced and stuff like that and taken advantage of uh, don't have but since they have stingers the bees still maintain some of that and retain some of that and um, because of that they really force us to listen to them and so when you go into a hive, um, you will get stung if you don't pay attention to the bees. Um, and some people, it's some, for some people, I think it's really good to not wear gloves. 
um, because then when you're inspecting a hive, because then you get direct feedback of a bee stinging you if you do something, bang, bang stuff around uh, or squish bees, you're going to get stung. And um, so that's really good uh, feedback. And we're really forced to listen, which I think what we've done with the environment is instead of listening to the environment, we've just imposed our will on the environment. Um, and so bees can really lead us back into listening to the environment. And one of the huge things about putting bees first is also that you can't inspect, well, you can uh, to the detriment of the bees and possibly getting stung, but you are, you have to really pay attention to the weather because it needs to be usually 64 degrees or warmer to go into a hive on a sunny day. Um, and otherwise you just need to cancel, you know, going into a hive and postpone to a nicer day. And so it really brings you into listening to the weather and the season. And additionally, it gets you to see what's blooming and what your bees are feeding on and planting things for them to eat at different times of year when there may not be things for them to eat. So many people that, are, that have started beekeeping have told me how now one, they pay attention to the weather all the time, and two, that they now know all these trees in their neighborhood that they never knew before, and they're really paying attention, and they, you know, they planted gardens for the bees and all this kind of stuff. So they're really, instead of, um, they're really putting the bees first, I guess, is the, is the bottom line. And um, instead of humans, which is what we've done for, for so many thousands of years uh, with nature. And the, um, so I'm gonna go into the bee meditation shortly. I just wanted to say a couple things so you can understand it a little, uh, a little bit. Uh, the two things I wanted to say about bees so that you understand um, is one is that they actually cluster over their brood to keep it warm at about 95 degrees. So I'm going to lead you in, in this meditation, I'm going to lead you into the hive and don't think it's going to be cold in there. In fact, it's going to be nice and toasty warm because the bees, even though they're insects, they actually heat up, they disengage their wing muscles and contract their wing muscles to make heat. And that allows them to uh, keep their brood at 95 degrees. They also cluster in a circle. And so you're going to be led into this uh, cluster of bees all really close together um, to do the healing. Um, and the other point to know about bees is that they are uh, considered, like a hive is considered a super organism. So 
it's not really um, all little different individuals. And one thing actually I've been experimenting with is taking pictures of them and treating them as individuals because I think it's kind of a bizarre thing because that's really not how they are. But I've been uh, doing bee portraits of them on my Instagram account. Um, but they are not individuals. They are all parts of a whole and they all work together, um, 50,000 bees or so or less if you have a smaller hive as this big super organism to make decisions and um, for the colony to survive a long time. Um, they all work together. And so it's very similar and analogous to our human bodies, which are also looked upon as superorganisms. And even you can put in there the bacteria, like our whole um, the biome in our gut, and the bacteria and the bacteria on our skin, all this stuff that in addition to our cells and being a superorganism, um, there's all these other things that are working with us as well um, in our body. So part of this healing meditation is going to be um, working with that whole concept of the bees and our bodies as a super organism and all working together. Okay, so I'm going to go walk up to my hives and um, I have two hives in my backyard. Um, they're called Luxurious and Tangerine. And part of why I'm going to be up there, um, well, we might get some buzzing into the phone. Probably not. Um, but also I think it's going to be healing for my hives as well to um, be doing this healing up there with them for all of you. So, so the first thing for the meditation is to just get comfortable, to lie down, get in a comfortable chair, and just relax. Close your eyes. And feel your connection deep down into the earth and how strong that is, how the earth is supporting you. And also feel the top of your head and that connection to the sky and to the stars and everything above. And picture yourself as a giant redwood and how you're strongly rooted in the ground but you're also reaching up and touching the sky 
and there's energy and light going through you down from the sky down to the earth and then up deep from the earth and up through you to the sky and it's just clearing you out bringing you right here in the present clearing out anything that's distracting you and just bringing you right here. And so now you're going to look around and you're going to be, picture yourself in a beautiful meadow. And there's flowers, all your favorite flowers are growing. It's a beautiful sunny day, just the right temperature. And you're walking through the meadow and you see up ahead an oak tree. And you approach the oak tree and as you approach it, you notice that there's a hole a few feet up the tree and there's bees flying in and out of that hole. And you go closer to take a look. And as you go closer and closer, the tree seems to get bigger and bigger and really bigger. And you look down and you realize that you've turned into a honeybee. And so you walk up as a bee, you walk up the side of the tree and go into that hole in the tree and go into the hive. And you walk further and further in and there's all kinds of bees all around you. And it's dark, there's no light. completely dark and you hear this beautiful sound, this beautiful hum and buzz and it completely surrounds you and you can smell the beeswax and it smells so good. On your tongue you can taste some honey as a bee gives you some honey to eat and you feel surrounded by thousands and thousands of bees and if you have any fear of the bees you can just let that go because you're a bee now and the bees aren't going to sting you and just let that fear go and feel actually the opposite that you belong to this hive, that it's warm 
You're surrounded by all these fuzzy bees. You feel safe. And the whole, all the bees are pulsing. And you feel love. And now you're going to go back and picture your human body and feel back into your human body. And now the bees are going to actually make up and go into your whole body and go into every little cell in your body. And the first thing they're going to do is bring light to each cell in your body. Some of your cells may already be lit. And those they're going to bring even more light to. And some of your cells may be dim or even out. And the bees are going to light those cells. They're going to, and they're doing it simultaneously throughout your whole body, lighting up all your cells. And they're balancing it so that all the cells have the same bright yellow light emanating from every cell in your body. And then as they balance all the cells in your body so they all have the same bright yellow light, a warm yellow light, they're going to actually bring that light up so it's even brighter. Your whole body is just filled with yellow, warm light and filled with bees. And you're being held in this beautiful bee cave of yellow light. And then the bees are going to activate each cell and wake it up so that it remembers exactly what it is here to do. So your liver cells are going to be activated so they know exactly what they are here to do. And each special part of your body and each specialized cell are going to be activated. And they're going to remember exactly what their mission is. And also how they fit into the whole picture of their bo- of your body, and so it can work together smoothly and effortlessly all together. 
and even your brain is going to be part of that, all the cells in your brain and your mind and your memories and your emotions, they're all going to be aligned to work together. all together to take care of yourself and to thrive and perform and work optimally and efficiently and without effort. And then you can come to your heart and really focus in on your chest and your heart and feel that yellow light there and feel the bees holding that light for you and you can ask them what you are here to do what your soul and spirit are here to do and the answer can just be one word or it can be a sentence be very simple and then the bees are going to carry that back again to every cell into your body every little part in you so we can all work together to fulfill that and to embody that on all levels. And just feel that, just rest in the space and feel the warm yellow light and bees healing and take it fully in at every level of your being. Really feel that and know that you can return back here if you want to and come back and have healing every morning this week to really lock in this healing that you're doing today. The bees are saying that it would be good to do it three times to really lock it in. So now go back to your heart and feel your heart again and send out a deep appreciation from your heart to the bees and thank them deeply and give them deep gratitude for what they've given you today.
and feel them thanking you back as well and really feeling this equal partnership with them and that the most important thing is that they just want to be treated and nature in general just wants to be treated in an equal way with humans and to have equal respect. So now take a minute to really come back and slowly pay attention to where you are. The room you're in or the place you're in. And just slowly come back and slowly open your eyes when you're ready. And come back to the present space and time. And then when people are ready, we can have some questions. If there's questions, I think Jen will come back on and moderate the questions. Yes, so if you have any questions for Jennifer, you can again press star 5, and we'll see your hand raised and call on you. And while we're waiting for any questions, um, I have one. I had no idea about the that bees make biodiesel. That's pretty incredible. <laughs> um, but also, I'm wondering for I know you. You know, you're in Oakland, and um, and so your focus is on urban environments. So I'm wondering if you have any recommendations for people who live in urban environments, how they can um, strengthen their relationship with bees? Well, there's... Um, bees. Um, there are a lot, I think more and more people are getting bees in the city. And um, the great... Uh, having a beehive is in your in your yard is really providing a sanctuary for the bees um, most beehives in this country are commercial beehives and are uh, uh, moved around all over the country all the time and so just having which is one of the huge stresses on the bees so just having a hive in your backyard that stays there is just 
wonderful for the bees. Um, and But if you don't want to have a beehive, too, just planting um, flowers and particularly trees, looking at um, trees because those are some of the biggest, they, they produce really a lot of nectar um, and pollen for pollinators. So looking at great uh, bee trees is a really important thing to integrate into your yard. And then you will, if you don't want to get a beehive yet, you can uh, watch some of these trees um, at the time of year when there'll be bees all over it, you can go under the tree and the, it'll actually literally be humming because there's so many bees flying around the tree collecting from it. Um, so you can get that experience. Um, but bees do great in urban environments and one of the other really benefits to having them in urban environments, particularly here where we have not a lot of water all year round, is the urban environments usually have food all year round because people are irrigating and there's a really diverse um, set of plants. So from you know natives to to, to all these foreign plants. So um, anyway, so it's really great to have bees in the city. Um, you do have to definitely pay attention more because you have neighbors and. You know they, but really they shouldn't bother anyone. They're very, um, they're just more concerned about flowers, and uh, they're not concerned about stinging people. Great. And do you have recommendations for great bee trees? Well, an apple tree. <laughs> <laughs> is a great tree. I the, some of the trees. I mean, I'm gonna. It's gonna be. You know, I have more of a. Uh, let me think of another. I'm trying to think of a tree that's gonna help. That's gonna be more. I mean, apple tree is a great tree, and the fruit trees are great. Pretty much all the fruit trees are really great trees for bees. Here, um, eucalyptus. A lot of the eucalyptus trees are, um, which lots of people have issues with eucalyptus trees. They're not native and all this stuff, but they are really great bee trees. So if you have one, that's the, when it's in full bloom, that's the time to go under your tree because they'll probably be, it'll probably sound like buzzing uh, tree, you know, buzzing bees. Um, yeah. Thank you. Uh, does anyone else have any other questions? If so, press star five. Oh, I have one here. Let me get you. Hi, so we have someone from Oakland. Are you there? Hi, this is Sienna. Um, Hello. My question, can can you hear me? Yes, we can. This is Sienna. Hi. Um, thank you so much for doing this. Um, my question is about the propolis. Um, my friend 
who were um, just starting beekeeping together um, decided to make a tincture um, with propolis. And we don't have any idea what it's good for, um, but uh, maybe you can give us some, some tips on, on how to use the propolis tincture. I think one of the big things it's used for is a lot of stuff in your mouth, so cavities, propolis in general. Um, so because it's so antibacterial, um, so cavities or gum things. Um, and with the tincture, you can just, you can also stick propolis like onto a cavity or something like that. But um, with the with the tincture, you can put a drop or something in that place on your tooth. Um, so that's one big use for it. It will make your teeth yellow, so then you have to, you know, deal with that. Um, but it's really great. You can put that on, you know, twice a day. Um, uh, but in general, it's just really good for immune system things. So people also use it for allergies. Um, as well, but also just any kind of um, immune, as an immune booster or helping your immune system, um, you can take it internally, um, you know, a few times a day or twice a day or something like that. And in a spray bottle, it's also really great for sore throats. Yes, thank you, Jen. <laughs> That's how I have used it. It uh, totally takes my sore throat away when I've used it, yeah. But it also will somewhat clog the spray bottle quickly, so you got to kind of, anyway, it's a little tricky, but yes. Wonderful, thank you. Thank you, Sienna. We have one last question, and then we'll close up. Let me get to Alicia. I believe this is you. Alicia, are you there? Yeah. Hi, Jen. I'm sorry, my phone was muted too. <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, Jennifer. This is Alicia. Good morning. Just wanted to tell you thank you so much, and it's been so sweet to listen to you speak about the bees this morning and share your, I don't know, your heart felt connection um, with them. And I just wanted to say that I really loved what you had to say about um, putting nature first and putting bees first and um, even working um, in the hives without gloves to, like, really have a, like, barometer um, of of how you know you're connecting with that piece of nature, and um, I just felt like that little section of what you're speaking about applies to so many of our different relationships in nature, and wondered if you had more to say about that. Ah, thank you. Yeah. Well, I also want to say that I do wear I, just to <laughs> just to not. Um, whatever, uh, misrepresent myself. I actually do wear gloves going in the hives because I'm in 
incredibly sensitive to bee stings, mm-hmm. um, but I'm also incredibly, and that's the other thing for people to know too, is if you are very sensitive, wearing gloves is fine because you can, like I can feel when the, bee, the bees will start vibrating when they are starting to get squished. And if you're sensitive, you can, or you're just paying attention, but if you're a sensitive person, you'll actually feel that through the gloves. And then you just back off, and then they'll move out of the way. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, some people, I think a lot of people are not very sensitive, and so getting that direct feedback is really important. And, you know, in general, in nature, it would be great if, um, nature had the power to give us a little more direct feedback all the time. Um, mm-hmm. And it does. I think but anyway, I think it's that I was going to change. Yeah. <laughs> what did you say? Oh, yeah. I think it's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we're still, there's still a bunch of people in denial of that. But, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think that's the whole key and what I've seen with people and it depends it, you know that's what's so amazing in my in my work I feel like um, you know ultimately I'm well I'm an earth healer and I'm an earth protector right to put it uh, I don't know to put it really succinctly and so in and and all and people figure out stuff in different ways. You know, everyone's different and they learn things in different ways. And the bees have been a way for so many people that I've, that lives that I've touched through my teaching and stuff. Um, not even through me, it's just the bees taught them to be more in touch with nature and to have mm-hmm. that respect. And then they can translate it to other places and I think that is what's so important and like with a sanctuary garden um, it's like or looking at your land where you live um, it's like actually instead of I think I think how we're taught or something is to have this top-down approach like what do I want to basically impose on this land right and instead mm-hmm. of of being like, oh, how, what, well, first of all, what does the land want, and um, what what is actually going on right here, right now, you know, um, like what is the ecosystem right now, and how can I add to that? How can I make it even more rich? Um, and really, and a huge part of that is the two things I really talked about, I think, which is listening to nature and listening to what's going on. I mean, even just, which just means like sitting out in your yard before doing anything, like sit out in your yard and watch what's going on. You know, so like there's these hummingbirds in my yard, for instance, that have been here since I've moved in. and um, And... And, uh, you know, so just watching and they come out in the evening, they're always out fighting with each other and uh, stuff like that. And and there's a skunk and there's a possum, you know, 
like actually paying attention to what's already there and then how can I help that, you know, and really appreciating what's already there and listening to, mm-hmm. to what's going on. And then you'll get ideas, like the ideas that come to you of what to do are going to be from this really grounded place and are going to be actually probably coming from what's actually going on and, and the land and, and the creatures that live there and the birds and the insects and everything. Um, and you're going to work together with all that and be on the same footing, the same level instead of this very top-down uh, approach. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you, Alicia. And actually, I see, okay, I said that was our last question, but we're going to pick this one more. <laughs> Pam, are you there? I am here. You've got to let me ask a question. You can't. I know. <laughs> I knew I would not hear the end of it if I didn't. <laughs> right. Don't you dare hang up. Um, so my question, Jennifer, is about um, uh, wild bees, like, like I'm, I mean, that aren't in hives, that are in, like you talked about, the, you know, our meditation was the oak tree, so the hive was inside the oak tree. So how often do, I mean, I don't know what the question is exactly, but I'm just wondering, you know, are there, are, there, are there wild hives just kind of around, or is that unusual? There are wild hives, yes, correct. And um, one, and, and so the traditional place for bees to live is in a hollow tree. Mm. And one of the, to just mention the pro, kind of bring back the propolis too. One of the reasons they um, were looking at pro, they painted propolis inside the hive boxes because when bees live in the wild in a hollow tree, they actually put propolis all uh, on the inside of the tree. Wow. So they coated all with propolis, and so they did that inside the bee boxes. They coated it with propolis to make it like that. And that's when they found that the bees' immune systems were actually more healthy. The bees' immune systems actually went down because they were on high alert, kind of like a lot of humans, our immune systems too, are kind of like in crazy mode because um, because of so much going on with the environment and all the stuff. Um, so that actually brought their immune system to a more like calm level um, which was more beneficial to the hive. So um, anyway, so yeah, there's some, so bees traditionally lived in hollow trees, um, but in the city, there's also feral hives, even if there's not hollow trees, because they'll move into like your roof. If there's some opening somewhere, they can move in. Um, and these are honeybees. Um, and so those are kind of considered wild hives. Um, and yeah, they certainly exist and people have studied them um, and are studying them. Um, so yeah, partly for like bee health to, to see what, how we can make 
the bees in the wood boxes that we provide, like how we can make them even more healthy from what they do as you know wild as wild bees. Mm-hmm. Is, is there a way to encourage wild hives, or is it is it just going to happen if it's huh. going to happen? Huh. Well, yeah. If you uh, that's a good question. I think people have, you could somehow make a hollow tree or take a, take an old, you know, tree log or something and probably kind of mimic something and then a hive could move in. Mm-hmm. I, there's actually books on this, I think, Pam. Okay. <laughs> I'll have to. Are you thinking about this for your land? I'm just curious. I mean, you know, where I live, I've noticed over the years the it seems that the honeybee population has gone down, and you know, I start to wonder about the health of our fruit trees and and all of that because I don't see so many honeybees anymore. I see other kind of bees, but not honeybees. And so then it kind of is like, oh, well, does that mean that I have to do a, that? I have to get it together and do a hive, and not that I wouldn't want to, but then it, it means you have to be, uh, you know, a good caretaker. Um, and then I, then it's like, well, you know, wouldn't it be nice if there were just some wild hives around? That, so anyway, that's the, these are all the questions coming up. Yeah. Like, yeah. It would be good to have honeybees, more honeybees around for pollination, and especially for our fruit trees, but. But then does that, you know, I'm not so sure that I'm uh, capable at this point in my life of caring for a hive as much as I would like to. Uh, and then I, then it makes me wonder about, well, what about wild hives? Couldn't, wouldn't that be nice? Yeah, so, no, that's a great question because probably other people have that as well. So there's a couple options. Yes, creating an environment for a wild hive to move in. Um, also... Um, Another thing would be, so honeybees, they prefer to probably travel within a couple miles to get mm-hmm. food. So if someone in like a two or three mile radius from you had hives, mm-hmm. they would likely come and pollinate your fruit trees. Um, okay. So that's something. They'll, they will fly five miles, even a little more if they're more desperate. But it's more efficient for them if they're about, I would say two to three miles away. So that's kind of where if, you know, if you convince someone else to have a hive, you'd probably want to convince someone within a couple miles of radius of where you are. Mm-hmm. And then the, another thing would be to a lot of beekeepers will, you know, you can, will put hives on your property. So uh, that's yeah. another and then they'll take care of them and probably give you some honey in exchange. And there are a number of natural beekeepers up in Vermont. Kirk Webster is one of them who I've heard speak, and um, I'll have to find out where they are. But um, there's so that's another option is to find a beekeeper to put a few hives on your land. Um, okay. Yeah. Good. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Pam. So, Jennifer, that I'm going to break my own rule too. So that brought up a question. So I'm wondering, with the with the um, 
trees and the wild bees and the propolis, is it possible that the putting the propolis inside the tree is also helping the tree? Well, that's a good question. <laughs> um, it probably is. It probably is. Because I'm sure it's, again, it's a partnership. Uh, the relationships in nature are so complex and probably, yeah, I mean, that would be a place to do, I mean, like I said, with science, you know, explaining magic, it's like there's probably, if they did science, we'd be even more amazed, like everything that that relationship is yielding, like that the tree is benefiting from the bees being there and the propolis. Um, and it's prob because probably what it's doing, for one, is sealing up, like this tree has a hole in it, Mm-hmm. which is, you know, the propolis is sealing that all up um, mm-hmm. so things can't, you know, in, other insects can't, like, bore into the tree and stuff like that, so. Right, right. But, yeah, that's, I'm sure that's, I'm sure that's all part of the, um, of the magic and how everything is, it's benefiting everything else, you know, that it's a, it's a it's this amazing relationship between right. the tree and the bees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great. Well, thank you, thank you so much for um, talking today and sharing your wisdom. Um, do you have anything to say before I give some announcements? Um, I think that. I think I just wanted to say um, thank you to everyone for listening and express that the bees are really thankful to be listened to and also that uh, I do encourage everyone to listen to the healing meditation or at least go back to that um, healing place themselves a couple more times because that will really Um, seal that in and I mean you could do it even more than that if you want Um, and it's just going to be really um, amazing healing for you so um, I wanted to emphasize that Um, and yeah and I'm just super happy to have shared all of this and um, and thank you so much Jen and thank you uh, one and for all that you're doing to help this, help us really um, work with nature um, and really respect it. And thank you. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, if you would like to um, learn more about Jennifer or attend one of her incredible classes, which do fill up, um, you can go to her the website for Biofuel Oasis. Uh, it's biofueloasis.com and click on their classes link. We do have this on our website under teleseminars, under Jennifer's teleseminars, and you can find the link there too. And Sorry, I muted myself. Um, you can also on our website find the link for her Instagram account, which is Jennifer Radke. And she does have so many gorgeous 
pictures of bees and flowers and bees in the hive and some information also on working with bees. So I highly recommend following her on Instagram. As I said earlier, this is our first teleseminar in this new series on Sanctuary Gardens. We have five more in this series. Our next one is April 23rd, and this will actually be a pre-recorded teleseminar, but the recording will be available on April 23rd. And this is an inside look at the United Plant Savers Golden Seal Botanical Sanctuary with Kathleen Mayer. So, if you do not know about United Plant Savers, this is an incredible, incredible organization who has been really spearheading, protecting our medicinal, particularly our medicinal and rare plants. So I highly recommend listening to that teleseminar. Our teleseminar in May will be with Ellen Ogden on designing a kitchen sanctuary garden. In June, we have a teleseminar with Mark and Emily Madison on wild water and an urban sanctuary garden. In July, we will be talking with Deb Sewell and of Avena Botanicals. And in August, we'll be talking with Rosemary Gladstar, which I just, Sage Mountain, sorry, I just forgot the name of her garden um, center in Vermont. Um, so I highly recommend that you join us for these. We have the same telephone number for that, which is 1-800-309-2350. And the access code is 5771624. You can find all the information about these teleseminars on our website, which is natureevolutionaries.com, as well as our Facebook page. And again, the recordings will be available, along with all the recordings from our previous uh, teleseminars are all available on our teleseminar page. Please visit our website. Well, there you can watch our new video called Being a Nature Evolutionary, um, which is just about five minutes long, but very sweet and inspiring. You can also sign up for our newsletter. If you do not get our newsletter, I highly recommend it. It's monthly, and we have inspiring uh, articles, some, some poetry, some stories, some nonfiction, all centered around uh, being a nature evolutionary, and these next six months are really featuring sanctuary gardens. On our website, we also have our gallery, Art of the Sanctuary Gardens, featuring uh, four really incredible artists. And then, of course, on our website, you can also donate to us. Um, your donations allow us to host this free teleseminar as well as all of our other activities. So we highly appreciate any donations and encourage that. And we, of course, want to hear from you. So please email us our, at info at natureevolutionaries.com. So email us your thoughts, experiences, share your stories, share your artwork with us. We're always happy to receive those. So again, thank you for joining us today, for taking the time out to listen to us. And thank you, Jennifer, um, again, for sharing your wisdom and really uh, helping us to come back into this relationship with bees and nature and bringing us our awareness of being co-creative partners again. So thank you. You're welcome. Goodbye, everyone. Have a great rest of your day.